This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I don't know. Fly casual. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast, the Ender Editions. I don't know if I'm going to call them <laughs> that, honestly. I have not settled on anything. I always just do whatever show we're talking about, discussions. A lot of people out there have really clever names per show. Our friends at Imperial Senate Podcast, when it was uh, Book of Boba Fett time, or maybe Mandalorian time, they called it, yeah, Mandalorian, three blurgs and a bounty. I know that our friends at Skywalking Through the League had an episode called The Andor, The Marrier. And like, you know, everyone's everyone's got very clever names. Uh, not me. Welcome to the Andor discussions on episodes one through three. I, of course, cannot do this by myself. I mean, theoretically, I could. But why would you want that? That would be boring. So I've got here with me two people very near and dear to my heart, both as human beings and as Star Wars fans and as collaborators. Uh, I have been lucky to work with them on multiple different occasions on their channel, Try Out of the Force channel and podcast feed. And I've also graced the stage with one of their members as I did my damnedest to represent the other two members at Celebration Anaheim, which feels like ages ago. It is Goose. It is Nani. It is Try Out of the Force. How are you, my friends? How's Hello. it going? Oh, my God. Dude. That felt like we actually have kind of a resume all of a sudden. I feel, Didn't that it? felt <laughs> like a very worthy, worthy introduction. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it. Sounded a little bit important. Good night, everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Why, uh, yeah. Why keep going? Let's end on a high note. Mm. It just end there. You know, it, that's like I, get, I give them I give them you two and they expect more. Crazy. Um, <laughs> exactly. And you yeah. will get 100% viewership because, you know. Oh, yeah, easy, absolutely. Easy listening. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's such a good idea. If we just did like 30 second podcast episodes and the return. We'll Done. talk about that off air. Um, it's like YouTube, YouTube shorts. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Short the, content the, is king right now. Yeah, it's really frustrating. It's a frustrating time just in general. Can't yeah. imagine why. Um, it's been a week. That's what it, it has been a week, but it's been an exciting week for Star Wars fans. Now, try out of the force, three Puerto Rican friends talking about not just Star Wars, but the entire pop culture sphere using their platform to highlight issues, social injustices, the struggle for a better tomorrow across all manner of things, every issue, I mean, especially in this time. And so we will get more into this at the end. Um, but if you are, of course, you know, if you yourself are Puerto Rican, if you're watching the news at all, though it is being grossly under discussed, um, another hurricane has, of course, swept through the island. And we want to make sure we're highlighting the right resources for you. So at the end of this, I know that Goose has the list. Goose and Nani are going to be able to discuss sort of what they're looking at, what they're doing where they are nani's actually in puerto rico right now and you're okay mm -hmm. at the moment yes yes i am okay i got yeah. lucky all things yeah. considered yeah mm -hmm. but it's like very it's a varied situation is from what i understand like some areas totally fine other areas yeah. totally completely screwed. devastated mm -hmm. yes yeah very inconsistent mm -hmm. and i think that's yep. something that people misunderstand knowing that it's a small place they think like oh i heard someone was fine so they're fine and that's yes. right. not necessarily exactly. the case because there's some the different areas are so different Parrot, like if there's an economic know. crash and then you ask like a millionaire how they're doing the millionaire's yes. gonna be fine but there's gonna be a lot of other people that aren't fine so we can't exactly put our blinders on to you know turn off our you know our empathy so. Exactly. No, that's a, that's a great, great way to kick off not just that discussion, but the discussion we're having today about empathy, about struggles, about wanting to 
actually rattle the foundations of the power structures that everybody is forced to live in. Um, and it's a very, very, very compelling time for Star Wars fans and for media overall. This, of course, Star Wars Andor, the series uh, written and created by Tony Gilroy, director Toby Haynes on these first three episodes. We were all at the premiere in LA, which of course gives us a little bit of like that premiere shine, which like I will fully acknowledge because sometimes people are like, well, you saw it at the premiere, so you like it more than you actually would like it. I'm not saying you're wrong. Like it's all about chemistry. If I watched that at a drive-in and the audio was bad, that would have the opposite effect. So like I feel it's like just upfront. We all had a great time, but that's a useless thing to throw at people. That whole like, yeah, you saw it at the Disney theater, so you're going to have a higher opinion. If that's what you think, sorry, like can't help you on that. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm in a little bit of a mood um, as, we're, <laughs> as we're recording this one. It's good to be passionate. That's what it is. <laughs> it's good to be passionate. Um, so, of course, on your show and on, on this show, I, I know I do my best for it, but you you two are in, incredible at it, along with Mo, the third member of the, the triad, the trinity, the trio, uh, the triumvirate. Depends on the week. Yeah, Kotor 2 uh, fans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you feel extra salty, it's a Sith Triumvirate. Um, it's like sometimes I turn the light uh, red, sometimes mm, the light's blue. It's, it's true. It and he means that. Yeah. There's actual lights in Goose's office little, there. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys do a great job. Uh, on your show of of representing different voices and making sure that the conversation is as equitable as you can possibly make it. Of course, that never that doesn't mean like congrats, you won. There's always work right. to do, and Andor has been a huge moment for that. Uh, it coming out when it came out, Goose. If you want to tell everybody, the premiere date was what day exactly? September September fifteenth. Yes, the start of Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes, which of course, you know, somebody out there is being a smart ass and they're like, well, it was delayed to that day. Well, I don't care. It I still worked exactly. out. <laughs> it still worked out nicely. Uh, and the cast, of course, led by Diego Luna, Adria Ariona. Uh, and there's also, of course, Fiona Shaw in there. It's it's just like Kyle Stoller, like this cast is stacked. Stellan Skarsgård. The fact that Stellan Skarsgård is like fourth or fifth on the list tells you just, you know, the, the talent and everything that's happening here. So let's start with uh, our overall impressions of one through three. Like I was saying off air to Nani and goose it's not this is not gonna be we're gonna take you through one through three because that's just too much because these are super it's, dense we're gonna go about feelings we're gonna go about characters moments themes uh ideas relevant to our world connections that have been made such as the one that that you shared on triads twitter and instagram uh, that our friend mark uh i am el diablito uh, pointed out so we'll talk about <laughs> all of that stuff so talk to me whoever wants to jump in first about your overall impressions of the first arc, because it is an arc, much like it in the way arc. that Clone Wars has. I was already excited about the show. So I, when I'm really excited, I'm always afraid I'm just going to be disappointed, especially mm. because the trailers and everything were so good at captivating mm. your attention. And I, I was afraid I was going to be like, mm, it's going to be overhyped and I might not like it. And it was the complete opposite. It just, it not only met my expectations, but exceeded them. Mm. I really loved the pacing of it. Um, I think, we were talking to you about this, Alden, that they did such a good job at the times that they introduced the characters mm -hmm. because they had such big name actors and you think they're all just going to like pop, pop up at the beginning and they held off on that and just added them where they needed to be added. And yeah. it just helped so good with the pacing. It From that first scene, it feels Star Wars, but just more grounded. Mm. And it's kind of dark and edgy and, and you feel immersed from the beginning and it felt like it was a slow burn, but you're immersed in it throughout regardless. And then you feel really attached to the characters really fast because they form this sense of community amongst mm -hmm. themselves. That was mm -hmm. really impressive. 
especially from this, they're trying to show a Latin, Latinx, Hispanic community. And they did a really good job of doing that. The, you know, the solidarity when somebody betrays one of their own, the reactions of the people, when police comes to invade the area. I mean, it, it was just really, it really called out to me. And I really, really saw myself in Star Wars in mm-hmm. a different way that I hadn't before. And mm. And it was just really, the acting was incredible. The score was incredible. The visuals, everything. And I was just kind of blown away, honestly. Yeah, beautiful stuff said there. So many ideas that I want to explore for sure. Of course, the the ideas of representation and community. But the way that you you talked about the character intros was something that I know we talked about after the premiere and we talked Mm -hmm. about since. Like, it does classic and made us rest in the same way Star Wars has always done, throwing you right in the middle of the story. Well, mm-hmm. upper middle beginning middle like it's still getting going but there's so mm-hmm. much rich like like you know our our leading guy and leading lady like they're not together they might have been seems like mm-hmm. they have been before uh but that's attention all, there but mm-hmm. yeah lots of tension mm-hmm. um everything with marva and or this fiona shaw's character that's all in the past like and, and mm-hmm. we get a little bit of that but not too much so goose building off of all of that everything that nani said how did you feel overall about where this started us and what it did well, it was it was interesting because it just made me feel like watching The Mandalorian again, because I remember watching episode one of Mando and all of a sudden, you know, it's the iconic scene that we saw in the trailers. But then obviously we see it in the show and it has way more, way more impact. And it's just the scene when the door just open mm-hmm. and Mando just walks into the bar and it's just like very Western, very, you know, gunslinger, you know, at, at the bar and like stuff's going to go down. And I was just like, oh, crap, like this is like something new and exciting. It's just reinvigorating that love for Star Wars and that intro to Andor was kind of like the same thing just from a different point of view right it was very very Blade Runner very noir neo-noir or sci-fi noir whatever you want to call it and it's just Andor just walking down that street and like you were like you were saying like you know that there's history back then but we we're already in the middle of that action and it was so beautifully framed and so captivating especially with like the tension that you immediately feel when you mm-hmm. start that scene that you're already immediately drawn and enamored to the show and just you know as a caveat to that, I I was very skeptical about the show to an extent in the when it was announced and Kathy said, you know, that we're going to do a spinoff to Rogue One. And it's going to be about Cassie and Andor. I was just like, well, you know, I love Diego Luna as much as the next person. But do we this really the show that we want? Do we want to really stay in the same timeline between three and four. Yeah. And we want to, like, explore other things and, you know, bring something new to the table. Why was I wrong? Because, you know, this show is something that is extremely new and yet familiar in the best way possible. So the show really has done a lot for me. And there's so many layers, like things you don't catch when you see it the first time that then you catch this on the second time or your mm-hmm. friends tell you that they saw this one thing that you didn't put together and then, you know, make those connections. It's, it's very rich. It's a really, really deep tapestry to like everything that Tony Gilroy has given us that I'm really really excited about and you know it gives star wars a really brand new dimension that i'm really invested in especially when looking at it from our representational point of view and kind of seeing ourselves in the screen in the best way possible not just in the faces that we see but in the cultural context the context that we're giving in the show so andor right now is like firing on all cylinders for me everything is working but like yeah like it it just blew me away and i'm ready, ready to keep talking about it and keep watching. I know. And we're going to have a lot to talk about because this is going to be the longest Disney plus uh, project 
period, I believe, uh, until Daredevil Born Again, which will be 18 episodes. This is 12, which is a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Book of Boba Fett's only seven. Both seasons of Mandalorian are eight apiece. Kenobi was only six. Well, Bad Batch, but, you know, talking about live action, um, mm-hmm. Bad Batch was 16, but then, you know, those are shorter. But this is, uh, this is 12 episodes. This presented us an arc in and of itself, which is, it's a rare example of two things. One, really putting up instead of shutting up. Like when they said they were making an immigrant story, that's a very easy thing to say. It's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do. And that ties into the second rarity of this show. It is being put together by a white guy, an older white guy. And this is a rare moment, I think, of actual allyship in action Mm -hmm. um, of being able to put the perspective before yourself. He's not this is not a show that is walking anyone through its themes, you know, by the hand like a baby and saying, here's the palatable version for either white people or for just men or for any other group. It really leans all the way in. This show is angry. It's very like one thing we talked about the premiere that I kept saying is. Star, we as Star Wars fans always have to tell people Star Wars is political and we have to say it in a nice way uh, or we feel like we have to. Uh, <laughs> and then this show is like, yeah, we've said it enough. Like we yeah. you don't get it by now. You're the problem. And, and it goes hard against all manner of those problems, be that mm-hmm. the police state, be that class traitorism, mm-hmm. be that uh, race relations and straight up racism. I mean, I never mm-hmm. thought that I would witness a Star Wars actively show a character profile another character and use the phrase dark features, which was just it, wow, like that you could feel in the room everybody having the same moments of realization at the same time what mm-hmm. we were watching. I mean, the opening. or when the cops at the beginning ask him yes. if he swam over. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> which, like, what? Yeah, like just called him a wetback. It's like insane. Yeah, like that. The fact that they're shaking him down. The fact that he he kills the cops one accidentally and one very much intentionally. It's like, of course, there's the snitches get stitches moment against Mm -hmm. Tim. Tim with two M's. (laughs) Tim with two M's. We'll talk about him when we get to characters. Oh, we'll talk. We'll talk about him. It's a it's a blatant sort of. Just like as Fiona Shaw said, it's a it's a scathing treatise on the Trumpian era. And it's got everything that people have been talking about in an interesting way, uh, contextually for us, because classic Star Wars under George was always about this stuff, but it was always looking back or predicting forward. It looked yeah. back at Nazi Germany and things like that. And as current as it got, you know, there were the conflicts in the 60s and 70s that George was touching on. But the Empire is this it's those same colors using the word stormtroopers, like all of that. Mm-hmm. And he was also expressing his fears about what might come. So you look at the Trade Federation and George was like, hey, you think companies have too much power in government? And now here we are with like. Jeff Bezos and you know Disney and like all these other companies that like do have too too much power as corporate entities. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, according to you know U.S. law, companies oh, yeah. are people. Oh, Don't company. forget about that. Yeah. Well, of course, silly me. Which again, that's the new gunray problem. They gave a company a seat in government. Like it, mm-hmm. yeah. So this show, though, on the contrary, is talking about right now. It's mm-hmm. it's it's the most present. And Mandalorian is. Mandalorian is sort of hearkening back to the cultural influences of Star Wars, be that the Westerns, be that the Samurais, you know, like uh, the Lone Wolf and Cub and all of those things. Obi-Wan Kenobi is probably the most deep dive into the characters of the Skywalker saga. That show is basically episode 3.5. This show, while yes, on paper, it's a prequel to a prequel. 
it, this show is is actively what everybody claims they don't want when they're like, I'm sick of spinoffs. I'm sick of the same timeline. I'm sick of backstories. We don't need an origin mm-hmm. for everyone. This takes all those things. Yeah. Goose is pointing at himself and, and you're not, it's not, you know, <laughs> it's not even a dunk because we, you know, that's, a, that's an honest thing to want, you know, say that with any anger, but then this show comes and says, Oh, I'm going to give it to you, but it's also going to be about America and the world right now mm-hmm. as it mm-hmm. is the slow creep of fascism. This is five years before A New Hope. So the empire is like pretty solidified. They're one Death Star short of being the form that we see them come uh, Rogue One and New Hope. So it's an interesting way to start us off, but we'll start our dive in by talking about some of these characters. And you could take them piece by piece here, starting, of course, with the man himself, Diego Luna, Cassian Andor, eventually... Also, Cassander. Yeah, that's his other name. <laughs> uh, so uh, he will, you know, be a fulcrum agent. He will be a rebel intelligence captain. He's a captain by the time of Rogue One. Maybe we'll see him attain that rank in this show. Uh, right now, there's no K2SO. Instead, there is another character that we will talk about, B2 Emo. But tell me about your relationship with Cassie and Andor going into this and your relationship with Cassie and Andor now after these three episodes. I don't want to I don't want to be reductive to... Cassian's character in Rogue One, because I think, especially now with the context of Andor, it really, really gives a lot of richness to it. That, mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel that we necessarily got in Rogue One. Because I mean, Rogue One, I love that movie, don't get me wrong. But I feel that Cassian's character, he wasn't the main character, right? He wasn't there in yeah. support of Jin's character, who was the, that main character. So necessarily, you're not going to get as much development, right, as, as Jin's character got. So... There was that's why I was a little like apprehensive about coming into the show because I'm like, I mean, there's not it's not a character that I feel we need to learn that much about because I feel like we got all the information that we needed from mm-hmm. him based on everything that he says. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. I've, you know, I'm in the rebellion. I've done terrible things. We got to see some of those terrible things. So I feel like there was pretty complete arc in terms of like what that character was and what I felt I needed from him. Obviously, he was a triumph to me in terms of like a representation of Star Wars and having like a, a Latino character there, not just a Latino character, but a Latino character that's, you know, that's not whitewashed for America. Right. It's just like it's a, yeah. it's a brown Mexican man with an with an accent, with right? an accent, so too, because yeah, you, know, the... you could jump in and be like, what about Poe? And it's like, well, Oscar's, you know, has a more Americanized tone. Mm-hmm. He, you know, mm-hmm. he had already been working here in a, in a starring capacity. So it's like, yeah, one builds off the other. But right. it, it, it was it was a, di- a different moment for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they're both, and they're all incredibly handsome. So let's, let's be, which <laughs> I think almost, is one of the important, handsome, the important thing I think to learn about like Latinx people is that we are all incredibly <laughs> handsome. <laughs> and, and, uh, just as Adri Arjona and Diego Luna are incredibly handsome. Canon. So are we all. So <laughs> keep, take, take, keep that in mind. Uh, so, <laughs> I'll put I'll put that on dating profiles now. Uh, as uh-huh. as Pedro Pascal, Diego Luna, and Oscar Isaacs. Uh, yeah. No, but but to that point, uh, <laughs> and and it's something it's something that we talked about when we were at the celebration panel. It's an awareness that I didn't know I lacked about not seeing myself in mm. in film and and TV shows because you know you kind of grow up just seeing the normal and you don't know that it's missing because you've been just brought up to think that that's it. And that's, that's what's normal and nothing's missing from it because that's it. You know, you're, you're, you're conditioned to see that. But once you kind of break away from that conditioning, that media can impose upon you and realize that there's a whole world of 
representation and 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 and, and equity that's completely missing from there like everything's different right so rogue one in that sense redefined that for me because i was like okay there there it is there's there's there there we are mm-hmm. and we're not going anywhere and we should stay and we should have even more of a presence so having now the andor show definitely improves not improves it expands my 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 view of cassian's character especially with this whole framing of the migrant journey especially with this whole framing as someone that was kidnapped, someone that's in this fight against like the powers that be, even though that they're not aware that they're in that fight. Because when he meets Stellan Luthien, like he, you know, he doesn't want to join a rebellion or do the mission that he's going to do. Uh, he just wants to survive. But, you know, survival is an act of rebellion when you are like in the mm-hmm. situation that Cassian is in, especially like in a the the culture that he's in in that planet right that's just, yes. everyone's struggling to survive so yes. sur- so in that case survival is always an act of rebellion so which by the way just while you while you said that planet that that planet uh ferrix is it ferrix i think it's i believe ferrix, yes. yeah f-e-r-i-x uh what a well fleshed out location i don't yeah. take normally a lot of time yes. on the shows it's like an, i was like of course i love the star wars planets but i don't usually stop to talk about them like mm-hmm. in obi-wan kenobi we had some planets we knew some planets we didn't so one of them was Tatooine. We've been to Tatooine. One of them was Alderaan. We've been to Alderaan. But this mm-hmm. planet feels like it has a used aesthetic that you could point mm-hmm. to like Tatooine or Navarro and like draw the comparisons for sure. But it feels as if the community is like the beating heart of it in a, in a weird mm-hmm. way. The, the, mm-hmm. the way that there's steps and alleys and different paths and everything, like it feels like an organism. So that was really cool. But continue on with your point, of course, about, about this migrant journey and these acts of rebellion, because that's something that the three of us will all talk about. These three episodes show the different acts. It's not just pew mm-hmm. pew. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. the act of rebellion is like you said, survival. Sometimes the act of rebellion or the, or the failure to act is about keeping a secret Mm -hmm. sometimes it's about facilitating like bix you know as a character we'll talk about bix doesn't oh yeah get in on the action here but she's Mm -hmm. the reason why the rebellion comes to get cassian Mm -hmm. she's like the connector she's the one that Mm -hmm. has the in uh, and that's all important being the one that can take care of others and make sure they have what they need uh marva as well of course like Mm -hmm. is is an interesting case study and we'll talk about that but um Mm -hmm. If there's anything you wanted to say more about Cassian before we throw it over to Nani on Cassian. Oh, I think I think it's I, I it's time for me to shut up. <laughs> I agree. Shut up, Goose. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Nani, tell me about tell me about Cassian under and how you feel about him um, in general before now all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was really excited to see Diego Luna on the screen as Cassian in Rogue One. Rogue One did catch me completely by surprise. I thought it was a movie that was completely unnecessary. I was like, why do we need to learn about these people that all end up dying? And we know that they succeed because they do get the plans to the Death Star, but I don't really care about their story. And then I really ended up enjoying it. So I thought that Anders character was cool because he was kind of a different kind of character. He, you don't really know anything about him. And there was like this quiet anger about him that was it's not usually what we associate with, you know, the good guys of the rebellion. And it just brought another side to, I mean, just because you're in the rebellion doesn't mean you're completely a good guy. So I thought that was something that was really interesting. So when it was announced that they were doing the series, I was actually really excited about it to find out where Cassian came from, where this anger came from. How did he get to that point that he was kind of okay with referring to himself as a bad guy because Mm -hmm. he's somehow knows that he's a bad guy, but is accomplishing good things but had lost hope along the way until, you know, what happens in Rogue One, because at that point he had kind of 
lost his way and thought that the rebellion was just as bad as everybody else because of everything that he had gone through. So it is really interesting to get this backstory, especially I was not expecting what we saw in the flashbacks that he grew up in this society where all the grownups seemed to have been killed and the children had to learn to form their own community. And I love that it was kind of matriarchal because the their leader was a girl. And it it was it really helps because um, a lot of Latinx characters that are male are a lot of the times pegged as just really machistas mm-hmm. and really chauvinistic. Mm-hmm. And I love that they're doing that. The women in his life have always been powerful, like the love for his yeah, sister, yeah. the respect for Marva, respect for Bix, respect for that girl that was their leader. Mm-hmm. in what was their the home planet? I forget. Canary. Uh, Canary. Yeah. And um, then it continues with Mad Matma and Jin. So like, yeah. 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 So it's yeah. been he something really, really good to see, to see that all these women are powerful, important, and that a male character can be their support as well and be supported by them. So it, it was, it's really good to see how all this starts to kind of build up, you know, that he's been angry since he was six. Because, you know, the Empire was using his planet as a mining colony or something. And there was an accident. Everything got destroyed. And then he had to leave. And you can tell that he's not just trying to survive because he had been arrested by the Empire before. So he's been doing his own little kind of, you know, petty rebellions just to kind of get back at them. And maybe he didn't want to completely be involved. But I think that line when Luthen finally tells him, don't you want to fight these bastards for real? I think he really, even though he wasn't necessarily ready to abandon his home planet, he knew that he had pretty much ran out of all allies. He owed everybody some money. He was like in trouble. And now he actually has the opportunity to get back at the Empire for real. Yeah, in a way that is actually and again it's like as rose tico taught us you know as, as, as you know freeing the fathers like every small act does matter but what luthan mm-hmm. is saying is that you are in a place that is so reckless and so dangerous emotion emotional place right. that if you die that is a waste of a person yeah, of talent a and talent resources a, and someone mm-hmm. that could help someone that could be a leader that could help others mm-hmm. um which we know he will like that's the thing is it plays with our knowledge of who cassian is cassian yeah. will be the one that facilitates the victory of jen Erso and of galen or so mm-hmm. and like of yeah. bringing the rogue one crew together yeah a um, true force for change yeah exactly and but he can't mm-hmm. do that until someone like luthan yeah. actually wakes him up and says yeah this is like yeah cool like you're stealing that's great um but we need more there's bigger things and and i was gonna jump to bix next but you know to avoid an awkward sort of flip-flop back and forth let's talk about luthan now um luthan rail is a really interesting sort of in between between a saw guerrera and a mon mothma where he has a Mm -hmm. foot in the dirt but he also has a foot in high society he clearly has tons of money Forty-one thousand credits is nothing to him he's got a really nice ship we see him in the trailers having this other life which we will get into in Mm -hmm. the later episodes um Mm -hmm. he's almost doing the bruce wayne thing of i have this much money i have all of this but i'm so angry and I'm so disgusted mm. by the way that everything is that I'm going to step down into this other world and actually like punish them, like bring them to justice. Yeah. Like he's, mm. he's way harder than you would expect any of them to be, which is why I'm excited for his eventual meetings with Saw. That's why I'm excited to see what happens to him. Uh, I'm excited to see his inevitable death. Yes, I am predicting that because, uh, you know, yeah. you fill the Obi-Wan role. 
in the same yeah, way that the, you're the yeah. mentor. Yeah. Yep, the same way that Han did in Force Awakens. Once Han got his own kid to be a mentor too, you're done. Like that's yeah. what happens. Uh, and that's part. And he, Luthen is also, I think, the representative of classic Star Wars because mm-hmm. this is all so different. We've has we have a brothel, we have a cop killing, yeah. we have mm-hmm. a class traders, snitch get killed. We have mm-hmm. all this stuff yeah. happening. We have these uh, inherently like Latin Latinx forms of protest, this community, this woman with this grime and this junkyard and all these things that don't feel optimistic and fantasy uh, fantastical Mm. and and hopeful Mm. but then luthan showing up is almost like star wars showed up and and Mm. said hey cassian welcome to star wars like when they (laughs) leave together right and we know where they're going into the greater battle it was almost like gilroy was like i need to knock you out and then wake you up uh, and Mm -hmm. then bring you into this rest of this so tell me about luthan how you feel i mean to say stellan skarsgård is great is an understatement at this point he's always (laughs) great Stellan Skarsgård is great. Stellan Skarsgård is great. Especially with that delivery, that infamous now delivery of Cassian Ander, it's just and the <laughs> fact that no one stepped in and be like, okay, let's do another take of that. Nope. It's just something that I will always respect. It's Which like, is such a Star Wars tradition too. Han, Han. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, so so wonderful. But no, but to your point, I 100% agree that he's kind of like that intermediary character that kind of reconciles all all the different worlds right he's he's in the grime but he's also like in the in the shininess of it all of coruscant uh, which i'm very very excited to see at some point uh, in the show which i thought was by the way i have to say i thought that was a really clever thing to have done for the show it's just say okay mm-hmm. you thought you were getting coruscant and mon mothma immediately no, no 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 this is about a very intimate story somewhere else and like and like you said then luthan comes in to open the floodgates of uh, of a greater world, so to speak. Uh, so it, it, it's wonderful. And I, and I do like, and obviously this is not a spoiler because we've seen it in the trailers, but the fact that he has to have different visages, you know, he has to have a costume when he's in his real world, so to speak, of Coruscant and like be mm-hmm. this one character, but then he has to be this other character when he's doing everything else. And that duality thing is really, really interesting because, I mean, that's the duality that we all have to an extent, we all have like our the face that we put to the real world, right? When we're at our jobs or with our families or something, and we feel that we can't, you know, be our true selves. And then like the actual personalities that we have when we're either with our friends or like away from home, and then we can yeah. finally do the things that we actually think or believe in or like, you know, unshackled by the burdens of society. So I think that he kind of fulfills uh, that role, especially with the rage that someone like Bruce Wayne, like you were saying, should have and actually weaponized in the correct way. Because let's, I mean, I love my boy Batman. I love me some Bruce Wayne, but let's be honest. If you were a billionaire and the richest person on the planet and the world's greatest detective, mm-hmm. you could, you know, you could use your resources differently. Oh, Goose, I so, would dress so. up like an animal and beat people up. <laughs> That's the point. With my bare fist. <laughs> uh, but not kill them. But not killed. Never killed. Uh, if they die mm-hmm. in the hospital, that's not my. Problem. That's different. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the hospital. Hospitals. That's a hospital. That's a healthcare they problem. Should've, they should have been better funded. And that's, yeah, yep. that's because there's no socialized medicine in in Gotham. That's but, true. But uh, so so Luthen actually like does the actual, I think positive thing that Bruce Wayne doesn't do in that sense. Like okay, boots on the ground and like let's distribute this wealth to make sure that it's getting into the hands of the right people so that we can start making the fight that will matter at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Because if he had chosen, right. he could 
live his comfortable life in Coruscant yeah. and not which care a lot of people the, did once. A lot yeah. of people did like, and and to varying degrees. This is not a shot, of course, at Bale and Brea, but Bale and Brea mm-hmm. took a way less aggressive route of like doing their best to function in this and like yeah. nudging it. Like they're more in the Mothma camp. But then there's the Saw camp over there where it's like you're going so hard that you're orphaning people by accident and right. like mm-hmm. causing an actual issue and exposing some of your allies that are trying to be low key. But Luthen is sort of that that connector. And as we know, uh, to the point that Nani, you made about like the, the backstories and everything and, and sort of like where we are and how they're introduced, Luthen in this decompressed storytelling way is talked about in episode one, shows up in episode two, and finally yeah. does something in three. But even in one, when he's not around, we know that he's been working with Bix. We know that yeah. Bix is that this is one of her buyers and everything. So he is like trying to stimulate these pockets, as that one guy said, eh, pockets, yeah. fermenting. Like all of yeah. that is happening. So Nani, talk about uh, talk about Luthen Rail and how you felt about everything that went down with them, including uh, such things as their epic escape, their big conversation, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was so interesting that when you first see like Selen Skarsgård in the trailer, you're like, oh my God, this character is going to be great. You already know it is. And then when it starts, as you mentioned in that first episode, it's just mentioned like, can you put me in touch with him? You said he wanted to meet me. Like you already know that this person is important and has weight to them, you know? And you immediately know who they're talking about and you want to meet them so bad. So there's so much anticipation to when it's going to happen, but it's done so well. It's so you keep those expectations so high. And then when he does show up, it's just incredibly amazing. I mean, when he first showed up on the screen, like, um, Hosbando obviously wasn't able to see it with us in the theater, but we were watching it together. And as soon as he showed up, he's like, bad guy. I was like, Oh, come on. No. I mean, he has this aura of darkness (laughs) to him, which is fantastic coming off of dune can we blame him (laughs) like you know (laughs) such garbage in that movie but yeah oh my god but yeah it's it's so great that you know he's gonna turn out to be kind of this guy in the middle but there is an inherent darkness to the character and a bleakness and and an acceptance that the world is sucks and you kind of want to try to make it better but you need to use not necessarily the best methods to go about it because you can kind of tell already that you know he is in with the smugglers and everything that's going on behind the lines. You can tell he's creating this network between different planets to try mm-hmm. to see probably who he can trust, who he can't through different methods, obviously. And now mm-hmm. he's recruited Cassian Ander and he did his due diligence because he knew a lot of things about Cassian that maybe Cassian himself didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising. I really want to know how he found out so much. I mean, clearly he has his fingers and everything. Um, but yeah, that meeting between them, you can really tell that Cassian is kind of a terrible spy at first. Like he was making so uh, many mistakes. He's not the best. Like when yeah. when Vix when is like, what, uh, so, some, you sleep, slept with someone's wife. Like he, yeah. he has a reputation of like being a problem in the town. Yeah. It was yeah. everybody money. He's at, slept with yeah. at least someone's wife for that to be a comment. Yeah. Uh, he's right. Marva's talking to to his friends like Brasso and Butuimo about he's hanging yeah. out with people of low character. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> and one day he's going to get into some trouble that he won't be able to talk his way out of, you know, it's like, Which and stuff being true. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, he, he starts using the calm when the cops are interrogating Marva. It's like the most inappropriate timing of all. And then no. <laughs> when Luthen is like, do you have a calm with you? It's like, you, you idiot. You idiot. 
And and then he starts with the lessons. And I love lesson number two. You create an exit when you come in at first and then close it up. And that whole dramatic scene, it was so great. The blasters were amazing. You felt really threatened. You know, we know only about Andor. We don't know the fate of any of the other characters. So every mm-hmm. time there's firefight, you know, you yeah. are afraid for everybody's life. So yeah. that escape scene, everything about it was great. Um, I love the use of the... Luthen kind of just wants to kill everybody. It's like, yeah, dude, yeah. just Maybe, just kill him, kill him. Don't, don't leave. Yeah. yeah, don't keep people behind. They're just gonna mess you up. So who knows how long he's been doing this for that he's become so ruthless. It's like, yeah, I mean, like it stands mm-hmm. to reason. Like Luthen could have fought in the Clone Wars. Who knows? Like he's so yeah. he's he's so young and he's so well connected. That where did this come from? Like, did, did, yeah. are you coming from a, a long line of like these like? robin hood types that have been infiltrating like who knows what it is but you're right that it takes that lesson that obi-wan-esque figure that everybody has in star wars and that's that's what what reminded me that we were still in a fantasy was cassian and luthan because it does so much to get away from fantasy and then gilroy like a genius loops it all back in and is like nope it's still about the young guy the old wizard leaving home crossing the threshold uh you know you have your your roguish friends like bix that are more like in the dirt and everything and and, and your your trusty little sidekicks like b2 it still has all the hallmarks just presented with a different sort of aura so but we love we love luthan we love casting we could talk about them both all day especially with spy Mm -hmm. school on the way uh which he will definitely need he would, would need a whole art training called, montage. Learn yeah. how to do this for the love of God. Like, here's all the equipment you're gonna need. Because by the time of Rogue One, like he's the guy. You know, yeah. he's he is yeah. the he spy. is the spy master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting to see sort of that evolution just on a. Yeah, you know, we're nerds. Mm-hmm. We love to. We like everyone that you know. We all resist the origin stories, but then when we get them, we're all like, we love like, them. I, I do they like seeing the warm fuzzies. Yeah, I do like seeing how you did that. Like that's yeah. always fun. Uh, someone that we does not have an origin story thus far that is entirely brand new, much like Luthen, is Bix Kayleen or Colleen. That's still ambiguous. Um, Bix is, I said this on Twitter, the type of, similar to Trace and Rafa. I know we had similar mm-hmm. discussions about Trace and Rafa. Like mm-hmm. that is a Latinx woman that you know. Like she mm-hmm. feels like she's the, a pillar of the community, mm-hmm. just an absolute hustler, fiercely loyal respectful of everybody well liked facilitates change facilitates the well-being of other people i mean we see how many people she employs when the people show up you know to actually do their work so she is a fascinating new archetype like not that we've seen i mean maybe she can kick some ass who knows but like she's as of right now like probably can yeah (laughs) not a warrior not a jedi not a princess not even a rebel not a spy not Mm. any of the things that we could carefully put someone in like in a star wars sort of gaming type way like oh what kind of character are you she fits really none of them she's a fully fleshed out person and adria ariona is like brilliantly subtle mm-hmm. strong but vulnerable but also yeah. trying to protect everyone else's emotions like tim mm-hmm. with two m's um so how, how do you feel that's what i'm gonna call him every time i have no respect for that <laughs> uh, no what i is- know what a prick <laughs> that is that is the only that's the only thing in my mind that kind of I, I mean, besides obviously space and and aliens yeah. and stuff, but that yeah. shows me that this whole thing is fantasy. Is that yeah. Tim could end up with a, like a woman like Adria Hona? So that's sorry about that. That, that is, is the, the ultimate fantasy. Yeah. That's the truth, man. That is the truth. But but we'll, he got we'll, his. So man. we'll lump Tim in with this just because, <laughs> like, 
it kind of works. His arc like, serves hers and yeah. his arc mm-hmm. serves Cassian's. His arc is, it's not even really an arc. It's more of a failure. It's just, a, <laughs> I did something and it was awful and it ends. Like, so yeah. talk, talk to me about Bix and Tim with two M's and the whole idea of the partner who maybe has a will they, won't they, but is so deeply important and what you got from this character. I think, Nani, I think you should, you should take <laughs> I should go first. With, with Bix. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, like I thought she was amazing. Like <laughs> um, yeah, I thought she was amazing. I didn't really know what to expect from her. There was so little that we saw of her in the trailer. So we we had no idea. We know she was going to be a strong, like, mm-hmm. powerful woman that had some kind of influence in Cassie and Anders' life, but that was about it. And now we didn't get much more information than that. <laughs> we don't know what their story is. There's clearly an attachment. There's definite tension there. But I loved what you were saying that she doesn't really fit any of the moles. Like we first meet her under an engine, you know, mm-hmm. being a badass, And then we know that she's involved in this kind of, you know, smuggling ring right. and she's the one in the know and she's the one with the connections. And I just, I actually really love how she kind of, she doesn't really look where she's walking. It's like the town is a part of her. She just strides mm-hmm. through that town like she owns it almost. Yeah. And and I really love yeah. that scene where she like goes up the tower to send the encrypted message. Just in that one scene, it's like, oh my gosh, she's so smart using this by saying that she's looking for something else and being really subtle about it and never looking shifty because she's just so nice and compassionate that somebody from the outside would never think that she's like this smuggler queen you know yeah so yeah so i was really impressed by her and to go into the tim with two m's situation i think we were talking about this with mark the other day that is correct don't dignify him (laughs) tim with two m's (laughs) tim with two m's situation um it seemed to me at least especially when you see that conversation when he's talking to ander that Ander says to him that don't worry about her. She's stronger than both of us. And he's like, I'm tired of hearing that. And he says, well, then maybe date a less complicated woman. Oh, that was the first like in the theater, everybody being like, Tim with an early L on the board. Oh my God. The, <laughs> and the biggest one too. Not just the, the T one. and the extra M in his name is for toxic masculinity. I swear. Oh. <laughs> Got him. Yeah. True. It's so bad. Gunslinger um, Nani tonight. Uh, <laughs> but it seemed to me, especially when she said like he would do anything for me that he's devoted to her and that she has enough problems with her life that maybe an uncomplicated man that would do anything for her is just what she needs at this point in time. You know, she will choose to have a more complicated thing if she wanted it. But at this point in time, this is what brought her comfort. And Mm -hmm. it didn't stop her from following what she really wanted and from protecting the people in her life that were important just because of a man. Like her Mm -hmm. reaction when she first finds out that it's him with two M's that mm. betrayed Cassian. Mm-hmm. She is so disappointed. Like you can see the raw disappointment in her face, mm-hmm. which is so much worse than anger. It's just like, ah, oh, you suck, dude. So I don't know. I think she was amazing. And, you know, Tim deserved to die. All right, Goose. Tim deserved <laughs> to get his. And he Tim deserved <laughs> to get his. Let's address that point before you jump into bed. Let's address that because he is a smaller element before we get more into, into her journey. So you know, you're what you're listening to this. You know what happened because this is a full spoiler discussion. We've been talking yeah. about it freely, but Tim does die. Tim dies by the hand of the police, the uh, 
I forget the name of the sector, but they're the sector police. Well, the mall cops. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the mall, yeah those corporate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're dressed in all blue. This ain't subtle. Um, and the entire idea of these aren't even stormtroopers. These are the stooges of the, right. these are the, the hired out contract cops. And yeah, like you were saying, it them. is a mall cop version. Yeah. Of, they, they, yeah. They're wannabes, you know, they, they mm-hmm. want to, it's like people that want to join the police force so they can pew pew and kill and kill bad guys because that's they grew up watching cops. They're 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 just the worst because they're not contributing to real uh, societal change, but they do want to pretend like they're the big dogs on campus and you know mm-hmm. they come in guns blazing, you know, shoot first. And they just repeat later. the same buzzwords. Well, law and order, justice, freedom. Mm-hmm. But really what it is is a power trip. And with Tim, yeah, it was ego him feeling cut out of a secret that he didn't fully know about mm-hmm. and him trying to control others and trying to control his own environment to a fault where it's like, if he had chose that again, that's the, that's the choice between allyship and actual helpfulness and actual charity and actual mm-hmm. uh, altruism and, and self-serving crap is this idea that you, what well, you're frustrated that she didn't tell you about someone else's life. So you called yeah. the cops like, and, mm-hmm. and we see how that falls down on him. Um, entirely out of ego, entirely out of pridefulness. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought that that was a, you could feel the air get sucked out of the room when he died because it was a combination of he deserved it, but also, whoa, they went there. That yeah. actually happened because usually yeah. people that betray others in Star Wars, they either get redemption or they just get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did not. Yeah. Well, it's also I mean, like the tra- situation tra- was masculinity, right? Because he mm-hmm. did. Well, yeah, he had to stalk her. All this stuff. Oh, yeah. Which, <laughs> no I mean, good. Do don't not stop do stalking. that. It's a, it's a crime. Uh, so, like, <laughs> let's 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 be real about that. Yeah. Uh, but comeuppance, you know, that's that's what it's called. And I think the poetic justice of it all is that he wasn't, you know, killed like in in, in any other circumstance except by the people that he called there to address yeah. his insecurities. And it's like those cops didn't care that he was helping them nope. achieve their needs. Because he's like, no, oh, well, whatever. You're, thing. Just, you're just another another target. And that's the thing care. with him and with Cyril Karn, who we'll talk about in a little bit, he's another lead, is that we see this in the real world. Like, it doesn't matter how often you lick the boot. You will never be mm-hmm. one of them. Right. right. You will never be one of them. They don't want you in. Like, just because you're this, like, you know, obviously these are made up, like Canari guys are not real. Corellian guys mm-hmm. are not real. But you're yeah. this dude in this community that is the white one. Like you, it doesn't mean that you get in. Like it does. They don't care. They see you as being from Ferrix, as being probably one of Cassian's buddies. They're not thinking in a nuanced way, and neither mm-hmm. are you. And you're going to pay for it. And it, and it, there's, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that you're dating this person who comes from a community of color, who has this mm-hmm. long-standing relationship with another person of color, and because what you didn't, you you couldn't be in on that. That that you're mm-hmm. going to disrespect her by disrespecting him. It's a very very pointed important thing to show in a show like this it's, especially it's, considering it's, that she wasn't doing anything really behind his back that had anything to do with him because as soon as cassian puts the hand on her she pushes it away she goes to him that very night i mean he had nothing against her whatsoever and he just built it up in his mind and betrayed her and his entire community in the process and I, th- and I think that's the most I- important part is like the community aspect of it and how the community saw that betrayal and how mm-hmm. they felt. It's like, what have you done? You know, and, and it's mm-hmm. like, ha- see that consequence of how the most 
small action, the thing that he thought it was just going to be, well, they'll just come in and take him and leave and like, it, it won't be a big deal. And then and I'll have big salt to myself. It, and I'll have big salt to myself, even though mm-hmm. he already had her to himself. It actually created like a massive disruption to to the community and destroyed yeah. who knows how many countless lives and work uh, for people because of the destruction and chaos that ensued. So mm-hmm. he, he was a creator to not just his partner, but his community. And I think that's the most important lesson for everyone, especially exactly like if you're like in these types of relationships where you have to come into terms with another culture or community that you are not a part of. It's like, how do you like, yeah. Uh, genuinely and 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 selflessly in, integrate yourself into that community and th- and enable it instead of like hinder it because of your needs and wants. And I think yeah. that's you know Tim. You know, kudos to the actor. You know, I'm, oh he's great. I, he's oh great, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Every single per- and he's in Star Wars before. He's a uh, <laughs> he's one of the pilots I think in Force Awakens, maybe Last Jedi. Um, someone pointed out there's a, you can find a picture of him with his helmet from one of the movies, mm. but he's, so he's, he's like, you know, second time in Star Wars playing a different kind of character, getting more screen time. You know what, Tim with two M's, maybe <laughs> next time you'll get to play like an alien who we all really like that we yeah. don't recognize you as Tim or voice but, voice like, a, or a nice droid. Or exactly. Whatever. Um, I mean, it's not the worst thing to be a hated character in Star Wars either. No, so. no. I mean, it's look, an achievement. It's an achievement. Look, yeah. let's address the elephant in the room. There's a white boy fascist cop in here that people are already simping for um and let's <laughs> let's talk let's talk about Cyril Karn we'll talk about Cyril. Cyril Karn and then we'll move away from Cyril Karn and we'll touch on Marva and other smaller characters like B2 and Brasso mm-hmm. Brasso Brasso I don't know how to say it yet um <laughs> Cyril Karn <laughs> is such an interesting guy I know once again kudos to Kyle Soller because he, <laughs> really, amazing yeah. he seems like such a nice guy and like he really portrayed the hell of this annoying little prick so he, I just want to say is, that it's true that's exactly what he is he is a he's a bootlicker of bootlickers again he's mm-hmm. an idea like you're yeah. not even you're not even a stormtrooper man you're not even a mud trooper you're not even infantry you're a, a hired out deputy who is so addicted to this fantasy of law and order and justice and investigation that even your superior is like, dude, yeah, those guys died and that sucks. <laughs> but the, the, I think it's captain Hine kept, he's, he's right. He, they should not have been able to even be there. We're not even supposed to have brothels. They would, mm-hmm. shouldn't, shouldn't have been doing what they were doing. They, they were drinking able to afford like, those drinks. Mm-hmm. Like he listed out a bunch of different reasons why they yeah. went over the line or outside of the bounds. And this guy would not let it go because he has a hero complex. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. He, he believes him. He thinks he's the main character of Andor. Like if, oh, yeah. if that was, if we, t- if these characters were aware that they were in a TV show, he thinks the show is called Cyril Karn and he thinks mm-hmm. that Cassian Andor is the villain. And that's what well, makes him compelling is that he believes he really to buys that, in. To that point, I must say that I'm sure certain members of that watch Star Wars yes. would say that he is in the right and that he should have this show. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we do know that there are some factions within the Star oh, Wars. Yeah, like, no, it's like out there. That stuff. And, and that's the thing is that like, from his point pro- of there's view, a pro- there's probably a hashtag out there. Cyril Karn was right. Uh, yes, save Cyril Karn. No, that that entire idea of like on paper, two of my coworkers are murdered. I want to figure out what happened. Okay, 
reasonable. but it's it's all the other elements it's everything yeah. else it's this it's this other cop that joins in the scottish gentleman who i forget the yeah. character's name these are a bunch of new characters so i'll learn them eventually of course uh, when the visual dictionary comes out but the he's played he's played by the the guy from the batman and he's been in a bunch of stuff and he's great too the first yeah. use of the word shit in star wars which made waves um he he is uh, hyping actually this guy they up. used it in a book once oh uh, man <laughs> I'm going to throw a book at you through the screen. Uh, I know the, 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 yeah. Yeah. That whole idea of like, well, it was in the books. It's like, okay, well, why don't you like say that in a chill way and like make people want to read them instead of making them feel like, you know, more But anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The serial current has this like over attention to detail, this poster boy esque. he's the type of guy that, that you recruit right out of high school to join the army mm-hmm. by telling them that they're going to be Captain America. Like they get, that they're yeah, gonna they're people, gonna save yeah. lives. Yeah, like he he he's made adjustments to his uniform to make it fit better. That's crazy. It, yeah, yeah, like oh yeah. <laughs> so I did, some, said, uh, did you tailor your got some suit? Uh, some tailoring a little bit. Fix some things. The pockets, the piping, the yeah. What? First of all, you're <laughs> lame, nerd. <laughs> First of all, you're lame. Even if you were a good guy, you're lame. Um, but it's it's yeah. His whole energy is very interesting. That. The scene that was a huge success in the premiere and and the couple times I've seen the scene since of him failing to even give a speech to other people that do what he does. That's not it wasn't like he had to intimidate a crowd. He was in his own ship and couldn't even get the ideas Mm -hmm. across, which I feel is a direct call out of so many cultures, so many people, so many levels of fascism, even people on Twitter that talk a big game and then, you know, have nothing. Like that's the mm-hmm. exact sort of energy that came up where even the other the police are like, <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Zero right. respect. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You are zero intimidating, zero respect for you. Sorry. No. Yeah. So talk about hey, him I, a little I, bit. I was able to see like episode four a little early. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to get into spoilers obviously about it, but I'm just going to say that everything we are saying about him is magnified, amplified like mm. tenfold once we see that episode, because you just feel like that, uh, you know, little D energy that uh, he carries with him everywhere, <laughs> that chip on his shoulder, so to speak. Uh, no, but that guy's a, a pure scumbag. You know, it's 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 that guy that like peaked in high school and, you know, he probably got a couple of trophies playing softball or something and his best days are behind him. And now all he wants to do is relive, relive that glory and like be in, in a position where he can, you know, go up the food chain and be the top dog, even though he is clearly not that top dog as we could see from that scene when his superiors telling him to stop and just abuse his power immediately by like going over his mandate to Mm -hmm. make a name for himself and i thought one of the interesting parts of that whole sequence is when he's talking to one of the radar technicians or whatever and Mm -hmm. the radar technicians telling him like it's gonna take i don't know how long to be able to unscramble everything and get the uh, whatever signal that we want and he's like oh well the if that's how you feel, there's other people that want to take your seat. And for me, that was just so, so emblematic of just like one, like toxic people, but two, mm-hmm. also like the imperial structure mm-hmm. that is not based on community. It's not based mm-hmm. on, on solidarity and capitalism. It's based. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's based, it's based on, you know, and just stabbing your co in your coworker in the back and taking their position and doing what you need to do. <laughs> he accused so that man of being a quiet quitter. That's what happened. He, 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 he called his performance into question for doing right. his job. That's it. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's very, very seasonal, uh, very yep. topical, very timely climate. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. But the guys, 
you know, it, he just reminds me of Ben Shapiro. It's just, it's just a bootlicker, little, little personality that has no personality, basically, because yeah. he is as bland yeah. as they come and yeah. just failing left and right while yeah. trying to succeed. And in the process, destroying everything that he mm -hmm. is definitively supposed losing. to protect. He definitively loses. Let's not forget before we I'm gonna throw it to you, Nani, but build off of this. Okay. Nani, this is your starting point. Okay. <laughs> Think about everything you want to say about this guy with also this element that I feel is under discussed about this guy. Not only does he lose, he only continues on because Cassian let him. Like Cassian, yeah. you went after Cassian, you yeah. profiled him. You tried mm -hmm. to ruin his life. You destroyed his town. You killed one of his friend's partners, like all these things. And he had you at gunpoint and he right. let you live. He showed mercy on you. There's something there about how, you know, the minorities always have to be the better person. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but, and also you take that and you combine it with star Wars is telling us to not stoop to their level to choose peace. Luthen's like, I'll kill him. Kill him. And Cassian yeah. doesn't. <laughs> kill him right now. <laughs> Cassian doesn't. Yeah. So talk talk about Cyril Karn and how you feel about this entire arc and how that played. Um, there is something so incredible about him because he's probably what all Imperials think, the ones that really believe, because it's this self-righteousness that we have to spread the word of justice like to every planet and we can't allow pockets of fermenting and all these ridiculous things. And, and he's... He's also such a contradiction because you can tell that he has like social anxiety disorders or something, because that one time he's like waiting outside the door and he hears people laughing behind him, like freaks him out. And when he speaks, he speaks with like a low tone of voice, but he wants to be bigger than he is. And he lets that other lieutenant or whatever, like lift him up. And he like, it just feeds his ego. And every time that he thinks he's getting something right, it just, you know, it makes him stand up a little taller and speak a little louder. And he just feeds off of this because he's clearly an insecure person that believes is doing right. And that he needs to act because only by him acting, things are going to get better, which is just so ludicrous. But I love that he screwed up so badly because he was so specifically, these were two guys who kind of deserved what they got because they were doing illegal things to begin with. If you go after the investigation, you're just going to bring attention to us from the Empire. And that's not what we want. We want things to run smoothly. He gets told very clearly mm -hmm. not to do this. And then he goes above everybody's head and does it anyway, because obviously he's the only one that's right. Everybody else around him is wrong. Mm -hmm. And then he turns this into an international incident when they go into a planet that's kind of in their jurisdiction, but not completely. Mm -hmm. They <laughs> cause an upheaval and then get most of the squad destroyed. Like that scene right after the speeder blows up and half his company dies and he's just looking at it and his face is just, oh, this is when I knew I... Mm -hmm. yeah. and, <laughs> and it's like, he can't believe it. Like it's yeah. so far outside his reality that mm -hmm. he could mm -hmm. fail so badly, mm -hmm. especially after being allowed to live by Cassian because he, mm -hmm. he could have been shot in the back of the head, yeah. not knowing any wiser. And he was allowed to survive. And now it's even more of a mission for him, I believe, because now, even though Cassian saved him, that show of mercy, he'll probably see it as an insult. Yep. I had to be mm -hmm. treated by mercy by my enemy. And now because of him, I lost my job, probably respect. I, 
I had to question my own self-righteousness and now it's going to be a vendetta of epic proportions. Mm -hmm. And I think the character is just going to keep getting more interesting, honestly. Right. And And I think one of the other interesting things is that it just frames like how, what the priorities that cops have, right? It's just that they didn't care about investigating dirty cops. They didn't care about cleaning up the streets or doing anything. Mm -hmm. They wanted to, he just wanted to catch a cop killer. They didn't even start at the murder scene. They didn't go there first. Like it's not like they went there. Uh, yeah, they you see them bring the woman in uh, from the brothel. Yeah, but it doesn't actually play out in a way that is organic or is actually about like. And that's a, you know that's a huge conversation that will make this episode three hours. But that's a theme that is very prevalent <laughs> yeah. to now, and and it's a theme that's in mm-hmm. the show is that you're not interested in solving crimes. You're trying to be preventative justice, which are mm-hmm. entire things. You're trying to be uh, in a force of intimidation. You're trying to actually have people under your boot. Um, which is an interesting thing. Now, before we move off of him, I did joke, of course, people simping for him and stuff. Look, that's not a personal thing. It's not, I, it is just a funny pattern. Like Kylo people, Hux people. Um, it's, it's a very modern Star Wars thing as the villains got younger and as the mm-hmm. villains, because that never happened with Vader. That didn't happen. <laughs> sure as hell did not happen with Palpatine. Um, <laughs> did, didn't happen with Dooku. Didn't happen with, didn't even really happen with Jango Fett. Now you get, more as clones have come boba and like yeah all of tomorrow morrison's face has now become you know uh desirable and stuff but yeah but back then now you didn't have that you had it a little with maul there there are people that think maul's hot and you know what more power to you um (laughs) but but this guy he does fit into that mold i don't do the predictions game because it's just an easy way to make yourself disappointed i think but is it going to be zeb and callus where because i spared your life that that will later Cosmic, or even like Harry Potter and Wormtail, like it's a classic sort of thing of like I spared you, and therefore there's a life debt later on. Like, will they do that? Mm. I don't think so. Could they? I Possibly. Think that there might be something to that, but I don't think this is the type of show to show mercy. Exactly. So I think yeah. that redemption will be in the way of well, I'm sac- I, I'm dying by doing this. It's right. I'm going to have to become part of. Like and what Luthen says, like you're gonna die fighting them. That's that's not the question. Uh, the way you're going, you will. The way I'm going, I will. But at least I'm in it. Um, so that's that's the thing with him. But we're gonna pack Cyril Karn for a lot longer. We still have a few more things to cover before we get out of here. I'm gonna wrap up so character sections. We'll hit some moments, some ideas, and we'll get out of here and we'll go home. Uh, we're all already home, but still, uh, this, <laughs> this group of people in Cassian's life, of course, his adoptive mother, Marva. You also see his adoptive father briefly in the flashbacks, Clem. And then we have uh, B2 Emo, who's one of my new favorites. Uh, and Brasso. A sweet, and, sweet boy. Yeah. 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 And there's a few other people that pop in around the town, like this old man that wouldn't leave Luthan alone and just kept talking to him on the bus. Uh, oh, the tell, annoying passenger. You could tell Luke yeah. wanted to die. Yeah. Well, you also have the awesome like father and son combo. That's the ones that start the banging. Yes, yes. So. they're great. Mm-hmm. And you also have... Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the clanging. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, you also have his one buddy in, in Vetch, the tall alien, that tried to get yes. their money back in Cassian. Two guys <laughs> who are entirely right <laughs> to ask for their money. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> they did nothing wrong. Cassian is just, Cassian is just too smooth. and just, you know... Yeah. You made but I do love it's like, about it, you know. I was just supposed, I was just told to stand here, so I'm just gonna stand yeah. here. And then he what? looks at him and he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, I love it. It was great. He's so good. That's a great moment of comedy. So starting mm-hmm. with Marva and B two, Marva's fascinating to me. I think Fiona Shaw's a genius actor. Oh yeah. Um, but the whole idea of you can do a good thing while also doing a bad thing, 
and mm-hmm. with the knowledge that you have, with the knowledge that she had, they were investigating this crash and they found a lost kid and they saved the kid from her point of view. But mm-hmm. there's a lack of that communication and there's a lack yeah. of the full context and they didn't explore the area. And so you end up accidentally kidnapping him from kidnapping his a kid. <laughs> and separating him from his sibling, which of course is what puts Kathy on, on this sort of like reckless journey, you know, yeah, this, this death wish that he kind of has to find her at all costs. Um, and we see the contentious relationship. Like there is love. Cassian still defers to her. Cassian still lives with her. That is his home. That's his mom. But his mom, it's yeah. still like, you're also the one that caused my problems, which is a, a very interesting dynamic that happens. Um, well, but isn't that the nature of all <laughs> parents, <laughs> parent child relationships, all your, your, traumas were inflicted by your parents even though they were trying to do the best for you (laughs) yeah and i think that she's that's portrayed brilliantly her iconic line of that's what a reckoning sounds like out of context was already amazing but in context is even better well so Uh, much more we'll get into the symbolism of what's what the sound is um and how it represents our world Mm -hmm. but she's delivering that so beautifully she understands the community you can see the way that she is the mom of the community when everybody is like viscerally angry when her house gets raided and it's it's a it's a very well-placed role for right now to see an elder who brought up somebody that would be fit for this um and then b2 emo i'll lump them together and you guys can take it however you want b2 emo is one of the most fascinating little additions to star wars literally he's a short little guy um Star Wars has been doing so good with their droids in the modern era from chopper yeah. all the way to now every yeah. main droid in all the movies and shows has been excellent. The B2 introduces this idea that it takes work for a droid to lie and yeah. Tr- yeah. truth and lies is such a big thing in this show. Everybody's trying to control their story. Captain Hines, Cyril Karn, Brasso, Cassian, everybody has like their alibi or the addition to the alibi that they want to make. And B2 is the one that's like, well, lying is hard. Like it takes energy. Right. Yeah. He, It'll take like, me power up by two. That's two times. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to recharge, um, which is like it connects, you know, sort of the K2SO, like trying to change his own programming and mm-hmm. being sort of an unexpected thing and his relationship with Jin. So it's all sort of ties into that the breadth of ideas. But they are, you know, Marva and B2 are, and B2's there when he's found. You know, he's much older than Cassie and he's already a, mm-hmm. a droid um, that's been with her. The implication is uh, he's yeah. a little bit shinier in the flashback. And so he's like, mm-hmm. he's kind of been with him. Aren't there, we like, all though? And like a brother. Mm-hmm. We really all were. I was shinier last week. I was shinier yesterday. <laughs> right now. Um, so tell me about, tell me about house and or Marva Clem, who we know was killed at some point. Cause Luthen says so that he was mm-hmm. hanged, which is brutal. Um, so how do you feel about everything going on with Cassian's house? It's interesting, though, because of how it was, like you said, framed within the context of kidnapping, uh, because like, let's let's call it what it is, what it is, right? It's it's white savior complex. And you have uh, this group of people that show in in a place where they're not supposed to be and find a child that I mean, that's right. I mean, Cassian or Casa back then wasn't supposed to be there also. But, you know, but he, it's still where he lives and it's still part of his community because this is his planet and his area and he's with his family even though we know that the adults aren't there and hopefully we will find out what happened to the adults on the planet probably had something to do with the mining disaster but you know it's it's something that we see time and time again i think with like displaced communities and communities of color when something like this happens so some outsider comes in and thinks that they know what's best and things that they 
know what to do and that what they're doing is the right thing. And they take action without really thinking of the consequences or the desires of the person that they're affecting with their choice. So, uh, I mean, obviously, I think it came from a, a, a genuine place of, of caring for CASA, but ultimately it it amounts to kidnapping and kind of set in motion the events of the show because of now uh, Cassian's desperate need to find his sister, which wouldn't have been the case if they had taken their time to kind of see what was happening and maybe, I don't know, save all the children, but whatever, we'll, we can talk about that later. But that, that aside, I mean, I think it's really interesting because you do see that there is a really strong mother son relationship mm -hmm. uh, among the two of them. And it's, it's, you know, it, <laughs> seeing him live with his mom, like in his, well, we don't know how old Cassian is at this point. Do we do we in his 30s? We could probably guesstimate based on like a, a guide or something. I haven't done it, but he can't be much older than Han, I would imagine, you know? So I think the, the, that's the best part because it's very, I think very Hispanic in that sense is that you got a, an older child still living with their parent. Still with the toys. That's, still with that's, the yeah. toys too. Well, the still with the toys. There. They're not toys. They're collectibles. And your room has not changed. You still are. You still answer to her. She wants to know where you are. Yep. The, you're getting into trouble. So, like, I felt like that whole dynamic was very reminiscent of you know of the fa familial relationships that I that I am very familiar with. Right. Uh, so uh, not to be so redundant. Thought, uh, not to be redundant. Uh, so 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 it's wonderful. And B two emo. What has what can we say about B2 Emo that has not been said before? Our beautiful uh, emo pop punk droid. Uh, that that name has to be on purpose because it's 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 just too too wonderful. But I think I mean again, and it's one of those things with droids that we see time and time again. It's like how droids sometimes have more humanity than humans do at points, and it's perfectly exemplified with that whole lying sequence. Just like it's so humans just people just lie without even giving it a second thought and doesn't even compute mm -hmm. how negative that could be to the people that they're lying to and like to have this droid just be like this is a big deal for me like i can't i can't just lie this is a lot of effort from my part it's both so telling about the human condition but also so sweet and innocent that uh, you know I, I i want to protect him at all costs uh, because He's just he's just wonderful. I want more B2 emo. Uh, I, so we were discussing uh, a couple of days ago with Mark. It's just like, will we see like all these characters now again, especially Marva and B2 emo now that we're kind of done with this whole arc, Barrick's arc? Or I mean, I think we will see them in flashbacks. But what I really want to know is like, are they OK? That's what I want to know. I love this family unit, honestly. Uh we still have that sketchy, he was maybe kidnapped, you know, she had to drug him because he couldn't understand them and she thought that she was doing what's best for him. We don't know exactly what happened after that because you can tell that there is a real relationship of love between them. Clearly, even though she maybe didn't go about the best methods, they still were able to heal that relationship and go forward and they still really do very much care about each other. I think B2 Emo is kind of the bridge that holds them together a little bit because even though Cassian was still lives with her and still worries about her, he's kind of off doing his own thing too. And you can tell that sh that was her thing that she used to do too. She was a smuggler probably or involved in whatever that she was, but you know, those days are behind her now. So you can see that there's there's been a rift happening between them. 
and that she's not necessarily in agreement with all of his uh, bedfellows and <laughs> whatever he says to them, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, there's that, that whole B2 does a great job with that dialogue of setting up the <laughs> dynamic before you even meet her. This whole yeah. idea of like, well, she was saying this, this, and this, and uh, uh, oh, sorry, data lag. Like he like can't even, yeah. he's like, it's like the droid version of anxiety. Like I can't even really I know. tell you. She was really mad. Like it's just that whole energy. They yeah, feel like, like brothers. Yeah. And then the glitch in B's voice kind of works into that like anxiety. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to rat her out, but yeah, he's I got a little kinda... bit of a stutter. I know. Like, I think it's great. He told me to lie, but I'm running out of power. <laughs> yeah. Bix. And he even say even rats him like Bubba Bix when they're talking about like who might know. Uh, I know. Which is a, a great tense scene. That was like Tony oh, Gilroy yeah. going off with the dialogue of, you know, Cassian yelling at Marva, Marva yelling at Cassian about who knows what and the backstory, which is a very clever thing for expanded canon fans that read all the mm-hmm. reference guides that Cassian's fake backstory in the show yeah. is the backstory from the Rogue yeah. One guides and everything. So kept that canon adjacent. Um, is very well, And that whole scene was incredibly well acted because you can see that he's just, he's angry. He's desperate to find out about what's going on with Bix, but then he feels so bad when he yells at Varva. Like he, yeah. that one time he yells at her to wait and it's like, wait, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, mom, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to yell at you. I love you, but yeah. shut up for a second. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's like, you know, what you see in families all the it's time. It's like, real. I'm so angry at you and I love you, but please, yeah. I will answer all your questions in a second. So it feels very, very much like a family unit and a close knit neighborhood in general, because Rosso also, I love that scene where he yells at him, tell your mother to actually turn on the heating. You just give yeah. her some money yeah, so I, she can I, get her I house warm. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, what was great is that that tracks, I credit to Joseph Scrimshaw from Force Center for pointing this out. Like throughout, you can see you can see what Brasso's talking about because when she talks, her house is so cold. Yeah, it's so cold. That everything, like you sort of see, like this is also like an economic problem that they are, yeah. these people are suffering. The the food, yeah. the working in the junkyard, we can't have the heat on. Like it's very real. And to your point, Nani, about like snapping on your parent, but it's out of yeah. circumstance. You don't mean to, it's not about, it's not the anger at them. It's the yeah. anger in general about what they represent or what the situation at is. the circumstances and everything that's going on around them yeah so, I mean, and that's so classic very real mm-hmm. you need that too you need that like if it's in star wars if it's like luke and uncle owen arguing or or you yeah. know, anakin and shmi didn't argue but you need to know where they came from you have to see what the dynamic is I mean, peter parker and uncle ben you know that's something that we see like uh, part of spider-man's guilt is that he wasn't nice to his uncle before it all happened yeah mm-hmm. um and so you stick i i don't want i don't wish ill for Marva. I mean, I, 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 but I also don't want her to know that Cassie had died on Scarif. Um, I know. So it's like, it's, mm-hmm. uh, there's tragedy awaiting this family, no matter what that lingers over yeah. them. Um, and they've already faced tragedy. Like why is Marva so hardened now? Well, her husband was killed, which we know because yeah. Luthan has done his research on them. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. for Bix. Bix has probably given him a little bit of the details because we know that Luthan's already been looking at him before the show yeah. starts because mm-hmm. he says he wants to meet you. So yeah, there's so many, so many great characters. I mean, Brasso's great. Uh, the guy that handles the transportation that negotiates mm-hmm. with him a little bit about like, well, if you want to leave right now, it's this much. Oh, yeah. if you want to do this. Like, the oh, and his really alien long. partner too. Like them oh, yelling at each other. It's like, oh, you don't know. Yeah. Oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so good. <laughs> That's a great moment. It ha- it still has mm-hmm. Star Wars humor, despite being the, having yeah. the hardest edge and being the most adult i still feel comfortable showing this to a 12 year old because like the thing is is that like they're not going to know that it's a brothel they're not going to know like 
if your child sees a woman come out and talk about other women and makes the connection that it's a brothel, that's a parent problem. That is not an Andor problem. Your kid should not be able to make that connection. Um, so your parental, you know. your, yeah, your parental. Well, I mean, I remember when we did the round table with Diego Luna and he actually mentioned that he's really excited about his own kids seeing yeah. the show. So yeah. Yeah, which by I the mean, way, there's going to be links. There's going to be links to try out stuff. So go check that out. Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's it balances it really well. It's never dreary. It's never explicit. Uh, the brothel is mm-hmm. not explicit. The implied no. sex is not explicit. It's it's yeah. very lightly set up, and then you don't even see it happen, and then it's the next day. Yeah. Like everything is handled with an, a really a great elegance. And and for children, like when they get older, they'll understand what's going on with Cyril Karn and things. But as of right mm-hmm. now, they're just like blue stormtroopers. Like it works on a base level, but yes. it works on every other level. Mm-hmm. So talking about everyone, I mean, I, I've loved talking about all these characters. Let's talk about some moments and or ideas and or ideas. Um, this whole, not even intentional. See, I should have done, <laughs> and, I should have done and slash or as my little clever name. Well, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to break it to you, but you can like, still do Star, it. Star Wars explained already has that pun for their, they have an and or pun. <laughs> ah, I couldn't remember what theirs was. I couldn't remember what theirs was. Damn it, uh, Alex and Molly. Damn so it. close. Uh, love them. They're lucky mm-hmm. I love them. Um, or else we would have gone to court for the Andor name. Uh, no, yeah, it, it's uh, it's it, it's loaded, obviously. So we're not gonna be able to talk about everything. But what are these standout scenes? And if uh, Goose, if you want to start with what Mark was talking about in terms of that father mm-hmm. and son and the 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 sort of rallying cry of the town through through this action of rebellion. Yeah, that was that was a really impactful scene for like obvious reasons, but you know, in terms of like how it was framed and how is that ticking time bomb for the show until you know it builds, builds, builds until it finally explodes into the big action set piece. But it was interesting because we actually didn't discuss this. We were talking to Mark on our show about one, two, and three, and we actually did not discuss it the way I'm gonna discuss it now, but this morning. And Mark just sends me like a, a message. He DMs me on Twitter. He's like, oh, by the way, check this out. Isn't this cool? And he like puts a, a message from someone else making this connection. The connection is that there's a direct parallelism between the clanging of all the metal objects in that scene versus what Latin American countries do as a form of protest. And it's something that I will say I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't put together because it's been so prevalent in Puerto Rico, uh, this last these last couple of years with all of the protests that have been happening, not just for uh, the the governor's protest, but the power protests, like it's been it's been a staple uh, recent <laughs> recently. So like yeah, once again, I'm embarrassed I didn't put it together. But the protest form is that like, uh, and it's not just exclusive exclusive to Puerto Rico, like Brazil and other countries do it as well. But it's like you take out all your pots and pans, preferably old ones. And you just like start clanging them and making noise and going to the street and just, you know, it's called a cacerolazo because that's, you know, that's in Spanish what pots and pans are called, cacerolas. So like you just take them out and you start clanging them. So the minute that you recontextualize the scene by having that actual real world cultural activism in perspective, it completely changes how you're seeing the scene because you're seeing a community that's being oppressed, that is being abused that has cops coming in and like shoving them left and right. And like their form of protest is sound. And it's just yeah. to use the things that they have at their disposal to mm-hmm. start creating a sound that crescendos into a reckoning. And that's and the thing. And then, then compare, compare and then that drops with real off. life. And then, oh, that was off. the best part. And then because and that's it, what you should be scared. Yeah. 
compliments so well Marva's speech as they start freaking out about the noise. And she's like, it's unsettling, isn't it? And then she goes into this whole speech and ending with, it's when it goes silent that she really starts fretting. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of leans back like, Oh, she's such a gangster. And what I love I about what I love about it too is that this society on Ferrix, this community, they've established that the city works off of the sound of clanging. Like this, mm. this time is it the timekeeper or the time? Yeah, this guy. I don't know, but I want that job. He has a name. I, I forget what his title is, but he goes up into this tower every day. And the implication is that there's like a morning bell and a night bell. Yeah. Um, because it happens when Bix wakes up at Tim with two M's house. Yeah. Um, and to to then know that when everybody rallies it's like it's non-stop noise like we're we are disregarding normal life to all focus on this one thing um forget your schedules and forget everything that you might normally do this Mm -hmm. is of the utmost importance yeah it gives character to everybody there it tells you that Mm -hmm. it's a town of good people even when they don't like they don't agree even when they have beef with each other like cassian has beef with like everyone apparently Mm -hmm. um it becomes but everyone comes together for him in that moment exactly it's all about community brasso sabotaging the ship is a great moment oh Um, you're not sure what he's doing you're not sure what he did because they don't show you him doing it they show you him leaving and you're like yeah put a bomb in there like what is gonna (laughs) happen yeah uh and it's nothing that extreme yeah yeah, but it's great because it's again it's it's the visual lesson of you you can't take a piece of our community fine you can have a piece Like you, I'll, I'll hook you up to the community. You want to be here so bad? Fine. Uh, it's it's a very interesting. Welcome. Like <laughs> we'll show you how we work. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and it's so emblematic of just Hispanic communities because that whole like bell tower is very emblematic of like old towns. The center was always like the church, and you know the you don't have to add religion into it, but just having that image of the tower and the bell ringing and every that that being the center of the town is very. It's like they really were trying to emulate like a Hispanic Latinx community and how it's how close and knit tight we usually are because the the Cacerolazo didn't they don't even use it all the time just for protesting. They used to do it in New York to celebrate nurses in the middle of the pandemic and stuff like that. So it's like a call to arms and uh, recognizing of good being done as well. So it's just a means for like the community come together. So yeah. I thought that was that was really impressive the way that they did that. And you felt like you were a part of that community too. You kind of wanted to be there banging pans with them. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely inspirational. So that's that's the moment I wanted to start with Bashir. And thanks for thanks to Mark for making that point for saying that your way and for you two for exploring it. Is there anything that jumps out about from any of the three episodes that is a standout scene for you before I'll we'll we'll end on the end of three with the past and present. Yeah, intercut because that's just a next level. It's glorious. Thing. Yes, yeah. it's the next level. But for me, I mean, and it Disney released the scene before uh, <clears throat> the show premiere. But it, you know, it's right. one thing to see the scene, you know, on its on its own, and then like to see it in the context of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. But for me, like the biggest part of the show was, I mean, the uh, that's that's what a reckoning sounds like. Obviously, it's awesome. But it's the scene yeah. with Luthen, Luthen, and and Cassian. And Luthen's just like prodding him. He's like, how did you get it? How did you steal it? Like, I'll give you a thousand yeah. more credits if you just tell me. I must know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like Cassian's response for me, it, it just 
meant so much, not just because of the delivery, because yeah, the delivery was amazing. Diego Luna is a wonderful yeah. actor. Everyone knows that. But it was how it resonated to me in terms of what the show is, one, saying about oppression, and then two, what it's how it's contextualizing it in the way of representation. It's that whole scene when like Diego just says, they're so proud of themselves, they don't even care. They're so fat and satisfied, they can't imagine it that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Like mm. it was so powerful, that delivery. And it meant so much because it's, you know, real world. That's exactly what the world that we're living in, where like this capitalist white society is happy. You know, they're in Congress, they're in Wall Street, they're in all of these places and they're don't they don't they don't even bother to look down. And all they do is just oppress people with their boots, as we keep saying, and to just think that they don't care about any of us because they don't. And that we have to just infiltrate that system and do what Cassian is doing. It's just so mind blowing that Star Wars just put a line like that in a show like this. It's just really one in for dramatic sense of the show. Amazing. But then two, for what it does in terms of like pushing the narrative, I think it's just it's just in incredible to mm -hmm. me. So like that whole scene is something that I will will be forever one of my favorite. Star Wars scenes because it's one of the talky scenes. It's not a lightsaber and pew pew, but like it means a there's lot. There's pew pew followed. That. Yeah. There's a lot after of that. pew pew after that. Pew pew adjacent, but... pew pew prologue. Yeah, uh, this was true. this was a bomb, a bomb of just like you. Know, it's an incredible like, dialogue piece. Narration. It really is. They're, they're both on fire. Uh, what about you, Nani? You want to talk about the guy going what? <laughs> that was great. But a scene that actually really stuck with me was it was one of the flashbacks when casa goes into the ship and he sees his reflection oh. for the first time and he's just like mm. touching his own face and touching the glass and then having a complete freak out and just like going at all the machinery and it's this combination of seeing who he is that who knows how long it's been since he actually saw his own reflection because it kind of looks like he couldn't really recognize himself who knows how long ago this accident happened? Who knows how long they've had to live on their own? And then all that pain surfacing, this angst, and you can really tell that is this anger has been deep-rooted to his soul for almost his entire life. And to see that in that one scene, I think spoke a lot about who Ander is. Mm -hmm. So there, there was something really impactful from that scene that just has stuck with me from the moment we thought, saw it in the theaters. And then every time I've rewatched it since, that, like, that scene always kind of blows me away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the really it's powerful. The, again to keep using the word the reckoning, right? That like we can know what we look like, but we all but it's, there's a difference between that and like facing your own reflection. Mm -hmm. Toughest That's thing true. to look in a mirror. So there's a yeah. difference between I talk about this with like media literacy. Like there's a difference between watching something and just looking at it. And he's you know you might have you might have glimpsed his reflection in water or glimpses water or something or whatever. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. but to actually see after the death of one of your own a child like you and probably your leader. Child, probably yeah. a leader yeah. and you see yourself in a vulnerable moment. That's what you're seeing yourself grieving, but also confused. And you feel yeah. angry at yourself for being confused and angry at yourself for not being able to save her and angry at yourself for not providing enough, maybe for your sister, but you're a kid. So it's like, you shouldn't have to feel that way. Oh. Um, and then also yeah. like, there's something to be said for the idea of, you know, children of color, just realizing that they have it harder because of the way they look and he doesn't have a context to put that in yet but he's about to yeah. um when he finally gets out into a world that is not just the canary people um yeah. and that comes and even then he's seeing these people that don't look like him that are either 
either they have green-hued skin already or something happened on the ship without a toxic way that made them look like mm-hmm. the way it's unclear. But all of a sudden it's like, you all look like that and you're powerful and you just killed one of my own and I look like this. Am I going to die? Am I also weak? Like what is, I thought she was strong. That's why she was our leader. So it's a right. really interesting and and just frighteningly dark thing to put in. But, but I like that it's there. And I like that all the kids stuff is there because yeah. without it, I mean, A, it's our framing, right, of looking for a mm-hmm. sister. But without it, there's also an element of it would be the only Star Wars thing without the child perspective. Like even even Revenge of the Sith, we've that Anakin, we've had Anakin since he was nine. So he's still our through line, even when they're men. And and especially if you yeah. watch Clone Wars, we're just coming off of where there was lots of young characters, namely Ahsoka, the original yeah. trilogy, Luke and Leia are, are 19 when it starts. And Ezra, of course, like that's always part of it. And if you sacrifice, yeah. cut kids out of it entirely, they lose their way in as yeah. viewers. And so to have that, it's like adults can connect with adult Cassian, kids can connect with kid Cassian. And then through that, those two lenses, you're able to sort of get the mm. full picture of the man um, and understand sort of why he is the way that he is and, and sort of what informs that, especially because if you grow up and kill or be killed, then yeah. that's sort of the, the of course, he's going to kill that guy at the mm-hmm. beginning of the first episode because mm-hmm. he's seen what happens when you hesitate because all the if the kids had all fired on that guy their leader would still be alive they all yeah. learned a horrible lesson that day yeah um, mm-hmm. about acting but at the same time you don't want to be saw Gerrera. so there's right. a there's all these different nuances and yeah. all of them can be true and not true at the same time it's yeah. it's like somewhere between like while the fantasy is happening up here you know, like the events of Kenobi and Vader and all that, that needs to happen because that determines the fate of everyone else. But it doesn't mean that everyone else isn't, they don't have their own crap to deal with, which is why mm-hmm. stories about Cassian and Enfys and even Han to a certain degree before he gets involved into the main conflict are, are so important. So uh, yeah. let's talk about that ending. Uh, every time I see it, I get more emotional. It just, it mm-hmm. keeps hitting harder. Uh, <laughs> I could not believe how good the editing is of mm-hmm. that to be that's the fantasy moment that's leaving Tatooine that's for Luke and for and for Anakin that's leaving Jakku that's, going on the know, journey yeah Cal Kestis going with Seer <laughs> Ezra going with the ghost crew you have to leave but for Cassian he's different from the other heroes because it's the second time he's done it and mm-hmm. so he's able to make that reflection uh, that connection to his reflection uh, and you see the younger the younger version of him intercut the light of one shot and then you cut back and you're in the other one it's very well mm-hmm. done oh yeah it, it broke my heart broke and especially music, when marva looks back at him and smiles i oh. know so oh. hopeful <laughs> <laughs> it broke me so yeah talk about <sighs> that I, I i i don't even know what to say because it's just like the whole the whole the whole scene is just sublime it's just it's gonna master, make me want to cry again <laughs> it's a master class of like one cinematography two editing and three you know sound sound design and, and, and musical score because everything just comes together in in, in in this crescendo like i keep saying that the show is a is a ticking you know a ticking time bomb because because it is you know it just builds up to this one explosive moment not just explosive in terms of narrative but expo- explosive in terms of like, you know, visual, visual interest, because we see so much that contributes to where the story is going and where it came from, obviously, figurative, figuratively and literally, because we see obviously all the flashbacks, but then like, you know, we see then Andor finally crossing that threshold. And it's bittersweet because it's environments that he's left 
that he didn't choose to leave and environments that he probably can't return to. And if he can return to them, he's not going to be the same person and they're not going to be the same environment. So like this whole sequence, it's, you know, it, it's sad. Ultimately, that yeah, it sets him on the path of the hero to become the Cassian that we know from Rogue One that'll become Fulcrum and will become the master spy, but at, at, at a cost, you know, because he has to leave Bix, he has to leave B2 Emo, has to mm-hmm. leave his mom behind. And like the whole sequence is just shot in such a way that just, it's just, it's just magical and, and, and a masterclass of like how mm-hmm. we show and we don't tell. Yeah, it's and a, in the, it's the an elements amazing of, visual sequence. It is. And, and for the element of leaving people behind, we talked about the different ways that you can rebel. Sometimes, mm-hmm. tragically as it may be, you are the one, and whether it's rebellion or just fighting evil in general, that needs to take the heat off of everyone else. So yeah. it's like, even though they beat the police in that moment and they won, and you know, even mm-hmm. though he showed there's retribution still, coming, definitely. Exactly. It's like mm-hmm. you, you still need to go. Like it, it, yeah. it, it that's a classic fantasy thing of some it's, it's, it's like boromir right like I, i've got to be the yeah. one that draws fire and to save the hobbits to save everyone else and yeah. like mm-hmm. someone's gonna go out and it's like sure his death won't be for another five years but to make sure that ferrix is okay i have to remove myself from the equation even though i yeah. love this woman i love my mom i love my friends uh yeah. does he you know do they love everyone in that town probably not he's you know he's He's sleeping with a few people's wives, but still, <laughs> uh, it's 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 a, it's a tragic, tragic happy at the end. You know, it's not I tragic mean, comedy. It's, it's happy, sad. <laughs> well, because it's also really cool that you find out that the ship that Marva takes him on has been this, you know, kind of the history house home away from home mm-hmm. thing that we've been seeing that's run down. So there's like you can tell there's affection there. It's kind of a home away from home. Who knows how right. many trips he went with with his parents on the ship uh, missions that they were doing and there's this element obviously of incredible sadness because he didn't really have a choice in leaving either of the places and he had to abandon family every time he left but there is also an element of hope to it because when he left with marva it opened up the world to him and then he mm-hmm. found adults so he didn't necessarily have to just take care of himself and be the responsible one and then when mm-hmm. he leaves barracks he's also leaving on a mission you know, it's like there's hope of him actually making a difference this time around. So right. it's it's incredibly sad, but incredibly hopeful and just melancholy. And I love that every single episode kind of ends that way. It's because I feel like Star Wars, as dark as it gets most of the time, tries to spin it so that you're kind of, you know, happy towards the end. And this one is just hitting you in the face with life is not always happy. Like there's an element of hope always, because I think mm. that is central to Star Wars, that there's always an element of hope but it's dreary right now and it's mm-hmm. a harsh and it comes with a lot of sacrifice to keep that hope alive. So that's why it was so glorious. And the fact that the sunset looks almost the same, I don't know how they shot it, it that it kind of reacts on the face of both Casa and then Cassian. And it's mm-hmm. just, it was, it was beautifully done really. Yeah, absolutely. And someone uh, has already drawn the parallel to the fact that he dies in that lighting too um <laughs> in rogue one which is like every, every all these key um endings uh, for him the ending of childhood the ending yeah. of his time on ferrix and the ending of life altogether um uh, very powerful so this character is so yeah. rich the wow. story is so rich yeah. we just talked about all that and it was literally the, the prologue of the story mm-hmm. like yeah these episodes mm-hmm. matter yeah. of course they're amazing but this arc but it was a prologue. functionally a prologue yeah um mm-hmm. and there's so much more we could have talked about 
which is that we can't be here all day. And we've all talked about this in multiple places already. So that's the other thing. There's a triad episode about this with Mark. There's going to be more episodes. There's, there's an episode with me on triad where we did like a yes. non-spoiler version. A of non-spoiler this. one. Yeah. So there's, yeah, this is, you know, we're going to be talking about this a bunch. It's going to be the, the, the most, I think like long haul of all these. It's not like Obi-Wan Kenobi where it was like, Oh, six episodes. And you know, the first two we saw at celebration. So it really felt short. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is, this is the fall of Andor. This is the, well, not the fall of Andor. That's Rogue One. Autumn, this is autumn. the autumn of Andor. Uh, this, <laughs> so I'm uh, very excited to explore more. So before we get going, if you have any closing thoughts, let them out. Or you could jump right into telling us a little bit about where to find you and about some important resources that we discussed earlier. Hey, final thoughts for Andor is, holy crap, I'm so glad I was wrong about my cynicism. <laughs> I'm glad you were wrong too, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm always. Oh, I'm always. I'm always. <laughs> uh, so let's let's just let's mm. be clear about it. Uh, but yeah, I'm so I'm so I'm so happy by by what we saw uh, with these first three episodes. That like I, I I'm 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 in I'm in this ride, and I can't wait to see what else is you know it, what we what we can expect from the show. Not just in season one, but also season two. Since we know we're getting that, it's gonna be like one kind of cohesive story. It's gonna be I mean, in in a way we can think about it as an extremely long movie that then ties into another movie. So I'm really excited for for the journey and to see more of the magnificence of Diego Luna. But yeah, I mean, like 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 we were saying like what else what else can we say about Andor that hasn't been said? I'm sure that we will have a lot more as the season progresses, but yeah, so far it's just an incredible journey that like I'm very thankful that Disney and Lucasfilm greenlit because it's exactly what the type of Star Wars show we needed, but the, also the type of show that we needed in Star in Star Wars to be saying something about the world around us. Because as we've been saying before, yes, Star Wars has always been political, but it's always been, you know, in subtext or metaphorically, and it's always been, you know, coded in a, in the fantastic way that we can ignore it if we choose to. But Andor is very explicit and very, you know, it's 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 in it's in the text. It's not subtext. So uh, I'm, I'm really digging it's and it's yeah, and it's exactly mm-hmm. what we needed. It's dark, but sometimes we need a little darkness in our lives and yeah. I'm here for it. As a uh, Finrod once told his younger sister, Galadriel, sometimes <laughs> we, must, we must touch the darkness before we can find the light. Um, and sometimes that light is the laser of a Death Star, but we don't have to talk about that right now. Uh, Nani, <laughs> what are your final and or thoughts before we get out? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, Andor's spy training and to see more from, you know, the Imperial side of the story mm. because there's a lot of characters that we haven't met yet. We know Mothma's coming. We know there's that Imperial um, uh, blonde character who looks incredibly yeah, interesting Denise as well. Denise Goff's character, yeah. Deidre, yeah. Deidre something. Deidre, I think, yeah. Deidre Mira? Yeah. Deidre Mira. Something like that. Which seems like another incredibly interesting character. I I love seeing stuff from the side of the Empire as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm very looking forward to further arcs and how- And some evil women. Like that was the cool thing about the Inquisitors, (laughs) that the Inquisitors have women. Like, more of that. Like, that's 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 a whole other conversation we can have but like Mm -hmm. equality (laughs) equality of casting doesn't mean women Mm -hmm. and minorities have to be perfect wonderful people they should be able to play all you can be that's the point yeah evil as well of course yeah Yeah. so definitely looking forward to that um but before we sign off do you have a list of like good providers for hurricane relief hurricane relief is very important right now and Mm -hmm. i think the main thing to keep in mind especially when it comes to puerto rican hurricane relief is that we should not be sending supplies and or donations to the government. The government back home has a very 
nefarious track record in terms of, of like misusing. managing mm -hmm. supplies yeah. and misusing funds. So it's mm -hmm. very important to know, just like Andor is about community, Puerto Rican Reconstruction will be about community and communities coming together to support each other and rebuild. So there are tons and tons of uh, organizations that you can donate to, and we will leave a link. Well, <laughs> we'll give Alden a link and he can leave it below. A uh, Excel sheet with a bunch of different organizations you should consider donating. We've chosen four that are giving immediate relief for the most affected areas, and they are La Brigada Solidaria del Oeste, Enlace, Sin Limites, and La Colectiva Feminista de Puerto Rico. Those are the four that we are linking uh, specifically. We've donated to Sin Limites, which is an organization that's mostly working on the west side and south of the island, which is the part yeah, is more affected, yeah. most affected by the mm -hmm. hurricane. So if you are willing and able, please consider donating. If you are not able, please consider sharing and, and you know, making, spreading the word spreading the word because that is also something that helps so yeah thank you for giving us the shot there to of course thank you have people help out thank you uh both of you and and mo as well uh my hero the the real legend <laughs> behind everything. the real legend um <laughs> uh, everything of course is we're going to share that it's going to be in the description here when you, this octo radio episode comes out um you know only so many characters in a tweet but you know me and my thread so uh, head down to wherever you found this it will be there somehow and then as well as heading over to the triad of the force twitter and instagram uh, both in the tweets themselves in the posts in the youtube uh, episodes and in the goose's instagram stories as well um, i lift stuff from yes. there um, and, and check things <laughs> out all over there so yeah any way that you can help awareness does matter um, spreading the word does matter we have no illusions about the fact that this is a hard financial time and that also yeah. If you, you can only give to so many things. That's the thing. It's like we completely understand it's that. True. There's yeah. a ton mm -hmm. of stuff that's always coming up. I mean, we've been as we have taken you through the whole process of Potathon. Potathon's now over. Over sixteen thousand dollars were raised for the Make a Wish Foundation. And you know, if you made a great donation there, we thank you. And with that, I also understand if that was as much as you could spare at the time. Yeah. So definitely uh acknowledging the resources sharing them sending them sharing them on your instagram posts as well that does count so thank you in advance for everybody that is doing that in the links below there's also still what choice there's also still that's you know of course for reproductive rights of everyone with the uterus not just women um everybody that is affected mm -hmm. by the tyranny of uh religious fascism and oh. um, the patriarchy mm -hmm. and all that stuff so that's there uh the amadala initiative for trans lives is particularly in the state of texas is also still there i believe i still have the blackout star wars eclipse link down there which is not a fund but more an awareness movement and mm -hmm. it should be hyperlinked if not in this one i'll make sure it's still there to uh the hashtag itself that way you can read literature about it there's an inverse piece about that so no shortage of opportunities to be useful is the point. Um, mm -hmm. No shortage of opportunities to help people that you don't know, which should be the ethos of everything. And is kind of surprisingly a Star Wars theme. So mm -hmm. thank you so much uh, for <laughs> listening to this. Again, we could have gone on. We didn't even, I'll throw this out as a final thought before I plug. Like we didn't <laughs> talk about the score. We didn't talk, not once mm -hmm. did we mention the which score. Which was amazing. Nicholas Bertel <laughs> in On Fire. Yeah. I stand by my stepbrother's drum solo tweet. That was the truest thing that has ever been tweeted ever. It's accurate. Uh, yeah, it's a great show. It's a great show. Thank you for listening. Thank you mm -hmm. for both of your time. 
um always for having all us. yeah all three of us uh <laughs> making the time to talk about star wars is always a beautiful thing so very excited to talk about this more with you two down the road either on air or via text and just as friends <laughs> and then for everybody <laughs> listening right now you can find me personally at that alden diaz t-h-a-t-a-l-d-e-n-z-i-a-z you can find octa radio everywhere you get your podcasts or on youtube sometimes i post the I post the big ones there, like the Ryan Johnson interview is there because like, I don't want you to see my face all the time, just something. Uh, and that's the, I'm not pretty like goose. Um, but then there's- uh, Hey, I'm pretty too. <laughs> yeah, but that, 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 that's a given. This is more of a surprise. This is that's, and that's you're a married is. woman, come down. This, yeah, exactly. Easy, easy now. Easy Bix trying to have multiple boyfriends yeah. in town at the same time. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that Alden Diaz everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Octo Radio, all platforms, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's uh, my show, Mandatory and Creed, Rewatch Between Worlds. They're all there. We're going to be doing some more stuff coming up uh, with Lucasfilm. We're in the process of locking down uh, James Waugh, who's one of their senior vice presidents and story executives, is going to be coming on the show. High Republic stuff is rolling in. Got that first wave to uh would you like to set up an, uh, an interview type email so like that's going to be coming got some books sitting over here it's packed it's busy and that's not even to account for the fact that i'm also on casterly talk with friend of the show ken knapsack covering house of the dragon rings of power soon willow it's sort of a catch-all fantasy project that we have over there check that out casterly talk everywhere um wow i'm plugging so many things Hit me up on Venmo if you just like me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> outside of that, everybody, just be good to uh, each other. We'll see you for the next episode of Andor, and we'll catch you next time. Punch it, Chewie!